And so welcome to week four of The Chosen. So I hope you've been enjoying the series. I've been, I've been enjoying preaching on it and I've been enjoying leading my life group. And I hope that whatever level you've been engaging, I, I know a lot of you are part of, you're part of a life group. And so you're enjoying kind of doing a deeper dive into things with people uh, from your group, uh, working through the daily devotional that we handed out as well as the sermons. And, and even if you're not doing those other things, I don't know why. I don't know why you didn't join a life group, but that's okay. I hope you're, I hope you're watching the, the episodes. I hope maybe, you know, like if you haven't seen it already, just keep pace. We're, we're covering uh, episode number four today. And, uh, and so the theme of this series is Isaiah 40, verse 1, where it says, But now uh, this is what the Lord who has created you, Jacob, he who formed you, the Lord says who created you, do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have summoned you by name, you are mine. And so what we're really exploring during this campaign, during this kind of deep dive, is what does it mean for us to be called by the Lord, to be chosen by Him, right? And so it means a, a lot of different things. But kind of thinking like a, like a meta meaning kind of over it is we are called to live the blessed life. We are called to the blessed life. The Bible has a, a bunch of different phrases to describe what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be called by Him. And so we could say the blessed life. We could say the abundant life. We could say life in the kingdom. We could say eternal life. Now, eternal life doesn't just mean living forever. Uh, the Greek word for life is the Greek word zoe, and it means a, a different kind of life. Like there's another word in the Greek that's used for organic life. Zoe means a different kind of life. And so we're called to this different kind of life, this blessed life, and this blessed life is, is eternal. The blessed life, it means that God's favor is on us. It means that we're part of God's family. We're on his team. It means that, that God is going to open doors for us, that God is going to work behind the scenes. It means that God is going to do things to get us where he wants us to be. And one of the challenges of following Jesus is oftentimes where Jesus wants us to get to is different from where we think we want to get. But then we end up getting there and you're like, wow, God, you knew all along. This is, this is where I want to be. And so what are some of the elements what are some of the components of the blessed life that God has called us to? Well, one thing is it means that we're living life with a purpose. You guys probably, I don't know if you get tired of me talking about purpose. You know, we're made on purpose for a purpose, but it's such a big deal. Like, I don't know if, you're, if you get this sense that, that I get in our culture. There is so much nihilism that is out there. It just shows up. And so people are kind of hopeless. People are kind of desperate. People, there's this, this show that is sweeping the world that everybody, it's like one of the most watched shows in the entire world called The Squid Games. I don't know if any of you saw it. It's on Netflix. I'm not encouraging you to watch it. I watched it because it was, there was so much buzz about it. And I'm like, what's going on with this? It's so nihilistic. I mean, it's so dark. It's so like hopeless. And it's like, and everybody's watching this and, you know, just globbing onto it. And there's so many ways that we see this hopelessness. But the blessed life is a life of purpose. The blessed life, it's, you know, I love the saying, it says, we can endure any what if we have a strong enough why. And the blessed life gives us the why to get through any what. I love Ephesians 2.10. We are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Why are you created? 
Why should you not embrace the nihilism and the hopelessness that's all around us? Is because Jesus created you to do good works. There are things that God wants you to do in this hopeless world that only you can do. That is your purpose. And so the blessed life is a life of purpose. The blessed life is a life of joy. It's a, the blessed life is a, is a deep sense of joy. And, and joy is different than like, you know, kind of transitory happiness. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And joy is something that no matter what we're going through, no matter what the circumstances are, we can have joy. And when we're living the blessed life, the, our life, rather than sucking strength from us, it gives us strength. It gives us life. I was thinking about my Sundays, because my Sundays, it's a pretty busy day. I get here like, you know, 6.30 in the morning. Normally I get home at like 3, 3.30. I preach, you know, three, ser three sermons usually, and sometimes do a couple growth tracks. Today, I'm not going to get home until like 5 o'clock because I'm, you know, I'm going to stick around for the trunk or treat. Um, hopefully, listen, I'll give you guys an update. My wife is trying to get me to be a mouse today. Um, so far, I'm resisting because I can use Sunday. I can be like, oh, you know what? Sundays, I'm too tired. If it was any other day, I don't know if you remember, last year, she made me be a bumblebee. And... I feel like it took me about two months to get my spiritual authority back after, like, you guys saw me be, I don't know why I can't be, like, Captain America or something like that, but anyway, I'm going to try to continue to resist being a mouse, but we'll come later this afternoon, find out if I won. I, I probably won't. I, you'll probably see me be a mouse. But anyway, uh, you know what I was just thinking? Like, I'm going to get home today, and I'm going to be tired, but it's going to be a good tired. Right? Because God has called us to live life. The blessed life is a life that's connected to purpose. The blessed life is a life of forgiveness. The blessed life is where we don't, we don't have to carry the burden of guilt and shame. And maybe sometimes like we forget what it like. Remember what it was like before you knew about the forgiveness of Jesus, before you knew that all the crummy things that you did were, were thrown into the sea of forgetfulness, living with the burden of guilt and shame. The blessed life is a life that's free from that. The blessed life is a life of protection. Listen, I, I've talked to so many people through the years who tell me some variation like in their journey of coming to find God. They'll tell me about a time in their life where, where they know that God miraculously stepped in and saved their life. They know, like, I never should have walked away from that accident. I never should have beaten that cancer. I, you know, God intervened. God gave me life. We know that, that God protects us in ways that are seen and ways that are unseen. Like, I know that there are situations that God got me out of that, I, that, that he, opened a, he opened a door or a way when there was no way. But also, there's all sorts of unseen ways that God has protected us. You don't know the ways, the blessed life, the, the negative situations that God steered you away from, or the toxic negative people that God somehow stepped in and protected you, or the reality of the spiritual warfare that swirls all around us. We wrestle not with flesh and blood, but angels, principalities, and demons. The ways that God has stepped in and protected you. So the blessed life is a, is a life of protection. And it's a life of God redeeming bad stuff. You know what? The reality is, is that even with the blessed life, there, there are negative things that happen. There's disappointments that we face. There's times that we just feel like we were dealt a bad hand. But the blessed life, the promise is, is that God will cause all things to work together for good. And so the blessed life is knowing that even, even through our tears and even through our disappointments, there's purpose. I love the story of Joseph. You can read about Joseph in the Old Testament. He was the, the, son, of, the son of Jacob, the grandson of Isaac, the great-grandson of Abraham. And you can read about him at the end of Genesis. He's someone who had a lot of bad things happen to him. 
I mean, his brothers were jealous of him. And so they, first they were going to kill him. And they said, all right, we won't kill him. Let's just sell him into slavery. So he's sold into slavery, into Egyptian slavery. He's in Potiphar's house. He's serving Potiphar. And apparently Joseph was a good-looking kid because Potiphar's wife, you know, like came on to him. And Joseph's like, no, I can't do this. And he resisted that. And she got mad. And so she's like, he tried to rape me. And so then he gets thrown into jail. And then he's forgotten about in jail. He's kind of betrayed by some people that he helped out. All the while, God was moving and God was working because Joseph was living the blessed life. And so God raises him up, and he's one of the most powerful people in Egypt, and God uses Joseph to to preserve Israel through a famine. And there's this really intense moment when his brothers who had betrayed him, had sold him into slavery, realized who he is because they came to get food because they were starving. And he said this in Genesis 50, 20. He said, you intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the the saving of many lives. And so the blessed life is knowing that no matter what, right, we sing that song, even when we don't see you, you're working. The blessed life is knowing that God is, is working in all areas, in all parts of our life. And the blessed life is a life that lasts forever. The blessed life is not just 70 or 80 years of enjoying God's favor in life. The blessed life lasts forever. A trillion years from now, you are just going to get started living the blessed life in the kingdom of God. You can do better than that. I'll say it again. You are just going to be getting started living the blessed life in the kingdom of God. All right, now, listen, next week is daylight savings time, and it's the good daylight savings time, right? You know, there's a good one and there's a bad one. Next week is the good one. So you guys are going to be, like, awake and ready and ready to help me preach, and, and uh, I, I know, I, I know it's going to be good. Revelation 14, 13 says, Then I heard a voice from heaven say, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, they will rest from their labor, for their deeds will follow them. You want purpose for life, right? You know the saying, it's the saying, you can't take it with you. You can't take your car, you can't take your house, you can't take your clothes. But you know what you can't take with you? Deeds that will follow you into the next life. Anything that you do in the name of Jesus, anything you do for the kingdom of God, any time that you feed a hungry person, any time that you comfort the afflicted in the name of Jesus, any time you pray for someone, any time you share the gospel, any time you stand up against injustice, any time, any act of devotion, act of worship, step of faith, all of that, the Bible says, you will bring that with you. You will carry that into the life to come. And so the blessed life is a life that lasts forever. But the reality is, in this life, we struggle. Right? We all struggle in life. Life is hard. There are disappointments. There are disappointments in people. There are disappointments in circumstances. There are times that we feel that we're belt, dealt this really bad hand. There are times living the blessed life. There are times that we feel like we're not experiencing it. There are times that we feel frustration. That we feel that God isn't keeping his promises. And so we're going to talk today about Peter, Simon. His name eventually gets changed to Peter. And so this episode, episode four, really kind of culminates in the calling of Simon to follow Jesus. And, and, and Peter was someone who knew the frustrations of life, knew the difficulties of life. The, the, 
The story suggests that he was really kind of weighed under by the oppression of Roman taxes. And that's probably true because they were Israelites. It was an occupied land and they were overtaxed. And, and, and Peter was someone who was known. They were called at the time as the people of the land. And it was a little bit of a disparaging comment because it was just like simple people. They're like, you know, they're fishermen. They're, they're doing different tradesmen. They're not educated. They're the people of the land. And that was a hard life. Because if you went out and you went fishing and you didn't catch anything, you didn't eat. You know, you didn't pay your bills. You didn't, you had to like every single day, it was, it was, you know, your life was on the line. And so we're, we're introduced to Peter in Luke chapter 5 verse 1. And it says, one day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Lake Gennesaret, that's the Sea of Galilee. It was actually, it's in the northeast part of Israel. It's a really big lake. It's about 33 miles in circumference, teeming with fish. So a lot of fishermen would, would ply their trade on the Sea of Galilee. And so one day... Jesus is preaching the word of God. He's sharing about the kingdom. And there's a crowd that's there. And and so Simon and his brother Andrew and James and John, they're there with the boats. And so at one point, Jesus, he says, let me get into your boat. Because Simon, is he's like listening to Jesus. He's mending his nets. He's doing kind of the grunt work of fishing. You know, so after you fished, you know, all night long and he says that he didn't catch anything, uh, he's got to get the seaweed out of his nets. He's got to fix any tears. He's kind of doing the grunt work. But I guess while he's doing that, he's listening to Jesus. And so Jesus says, let me get into your boat. And so he, so he stands in the boat. Maybe that was to kind of deal with the crowd a little bit, you know, so it was like a little bit of a barrier as they pressed up against him. Maybe it might have also been to amplify his voice by the water. But, but he gets into the boat. And so Jesus says this thing to Peter in verse 4. It says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. And so Jesus tells Peter, who's been, you know, fishing all night, didn't catch anything, Try again, right, after he had already cleaned the net. So he's going to have to clean them again. And it's also now it's the daytime. And you don't fish during the daytime. You fish at night. You fish at dawn. You fish at dusk. You don't fish during the daytime. And so Peter, I want you to put yourself in Peter's shoes. Because Peter in that moment is feeling the frustration in life. Because he had fished all night and he hadn't caught anything. And he's struggling. And now Jesus is telling him to do it again. He's feeling the frustration of life. And this is something we all know. Even in the midst of talking about the blessed life that God has called us to, all of us experience frustrations. Maybe you're experiencing frustration at work. You know, maybe, you know, like you're not a fisherman, but maybe you're a salesperson and you're like doing everything that you can, but you're not meeting your quotas and it's really a struggle. You're feeling that frustration. Maybe, you know, you're where you work. It's just a really toxic environment. And then the pandemic hit and you're like, thank you, Jesus. I don't have to see these people for a while, but now you're all back together. And like somehow the pandemic made them worse. Like there, it made them even hard. And you just like Monday rolls around and you're just dreading, you know, having to, having to go back into work. Maybe it's a financial frustration, right? Maybe you're just, you know what? You're living paycheck to paycheck and you just get, it's just tiring. It's tiring to just deal with like, am I going to run out of money before I run out of month? 
right? That, that you're just kind of like, okay, the paycheck's going to hit on Friday. I've got $7.14 left in my checking account. I think I'm going to make it until, but then I'm going to sit down and pay bills for an hour, and then I'll be back to $7.14. Maybe that's the frustration you're feeling. Maybe the frustration is, is an addiction that you're in the grip of, and it's something that you know is bad for you. You know it's messing you up, but you just, you want to get free of it, but you can't get free. You feel like you have it by, it has you by your throat. Maybe your frustration is a relationship struggle, that in a primary relationship, you know, it's one thing if like some coworker is annoying, but, but when you have frustration in a primary relationship, like when your marriage is bad, or things are bad with your kids, or things are bad with your parents, and maybe it's bad, and you don't know how to make it better, and you feel trapped, or maybe it's a health issue, or whatever. There's so many ways that we know about the struggle. We know about the frustration. In the midst of the blessed life, there's frustration. But the thing that this story illustrates so beautifully, and I think it's so true, and I think it's something God wants us to really wrestle with and think about today, is that obedience to Jesus will lead us deeper into the blessed life. Obedience to Jesus. We all face these moments, these moments where God calls us to obey. And it's like there's like there are two paths in front of us. Are we going to obey Jesus and come deeper into the things that he has for us? Or are we going to take matters into our own hands and try to figure out things on our own? Peter's facing that moment. Because Jesus tells Peter to put out his nets again. And just, again, put yourself in, in Peter's shoes. I mean, he's a professional fisherman. He's struggling. He was fishing all night long. He didn't catch one fish. I mean, I'm a terrible fisherman. I'm like, I'm no good at it. I don't like it. I don't do it. But any time I've tried to fish, I've caught at least one fish. Like maybe it was a little guppy, a little minnow, you know, but I caught something. But he didn't catch anything. And so now you've got this, this preacher, this preacher slash carpenter saying, hey, in the middle of the day, go ahead, put, put the nets out one more time. And he's like come on, stay in your lane, Jesus. What are you talking about? Like, I'm the professional fisherman here. And now he's going to put him out, and it's the middle of the day, and then he's going to have to clean his nets again. He just got finished doing that, and there's going to be junk on the nets. He's going to have to, maybe there'll be a tear. I'll have to mend it. And, uh, and so Simon Peter says this in verse 5. He says, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, you know, and I think that's kind of the tone. It's like, because you say so, Jesus, I'll let down the, the nets again. Let, all right, you know, it doesn't make any sense, but I'm going to do it. And I just want to, I mean, the feel, the sense that I have, and, I, and it was kind of even confirmed, you know, it was just what, what Helen was doing during worship and the things that God kind of gave her really kind of lined up with what I was feeling God wanted to say this morning is that maybe that's where some of you are right now, that you feel like you've been trying to trust God and you've been fishing all night, you haven't caught anything, you've been scheming, you've been planning, you've been, you know, waiting for God to fulfill his promises. Maybe you might say, God, I've been, I've been praying for you to break into the life of my kids. I've been praying, I've been crying out to you to intervene in the life of my kids. But it seems like since I started praying that they've moved further away from you. Maybe you might say, I'm a business owner. And we got through like pandemic, the pandemic and somehow we survived. But now it's like with inflation, everything costs more. And I'm having a hard time hiring workers and, and things are really hard. I don't know how much longer I can keep my doors open. Or maybe I wonder if there's some people that you feel like you've been dealing with the frustrations. You've been dealing with whatever it is, however the frustrations manifest in your life. And over the last week or two, you got thrown a curveball. 
Like all of a sudden, right, that happens in life where all of a sudden something that you weren't thinking, you weren't expecting comes out of nowhere and you just think, man, I've, like life was hard before, but now with this, what am I going to do? God, where are you? What's going on? How are you going to make a way forward for me? But what Peter said was, because you say so, I'm going to let down the net. And I'm going to show you a clip from The Chosen. It's one of my favorite scenes. I don't know, like I have so many favorite scenes. I don't know, I'm probably going to say that a lot, but this is one of them because I think it so beautifully captures the biblical story. And you'll see in a moment just how, how much it lines up with the biblical narrative. And so look at what happens when Peter obeys Jesus and throws down his nets one more time. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. But we've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word. brother and a baptizer <laughs> you are the lamb of god yes i am 
Depart from me. I am a sinful man. You don't know who I am and the things I've done. Don't be afraid, Simon. I'm sorry. We, we've waited for you for so long, we believe. But my faith, how sorry. Lift up your head, fisherman. Anything you ask, I will do. Follow me. I will. Isn't that amazing? So good. I'm going to maybe read the account that was just depicted here. Verse 6, when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken, and, were, and so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partner, partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And so Peter obeyed Jesus, and, and the result of that was blessings in abundance more than he could possibly imagine. He gets, Jesus says, follow me. And so now Peter comes into the blessed life, a life of calling, where now he's going to be a fisher, a fisher of, of people. And I look back at my life, and it's this scene, you know, I mean, I've, I've seen this so many times, and I was working on it this week and editing it and watching it, you know, three times today. It just hits me. Because 38 years ago, I met Jesus, and he invited me to follow him. And it is my testimony that over those 38 years, that God has been incredibly good to me. It is my testimony that Jesus has been incredibly good to me. That he has invited me into the blessed life. And over the last 38 years, there have been disappointments. There have been painful moments that I didn't expect. There were challenges that were more than I thought I could handle at the time. But it is my testimony that, that God has put his favor on my life. That God has opened up doors for me and God has given me opportunities that I never dreamed of. It is my testimony that he has released me from the bondage of guilt and sin and shame. That I've been able to give those burdens to him and he's carried them for me. And my life has been lighter with him carrying it. It is my testimony that he has protected me from enemies seen and unseen. I could tell you stories about situations that I was in where there was no way out, but God made a way when there was no way. And I know that daily there are things that he protects me from that I'm not even aware of. It is my testimony that he has restored what was lost in my life. 38 years ago, when I said yes to Jesus, I was a broken kid. I was a kid with issues. I was a kid with problems. Now I'm an old man with problems. But, but it is my testimony that God has faithfully, day by day, month by month, year by year, working in my life, making me more and more like Jesus, and that he has been restoring the years that the locusts have eaten all throughout my life. 
It is my testimony that he has comforted me and he has carried me through some really overwhelming sorrows and grief. And it is my testimony that God has given me a sense of purpose and a sense of joy that over the last 38 years, my sense of purpose and my sense of joy has just deepened. And I am absolutely confident as I go through the next season of my life that that sense of purpose is going to continue to get deeper until the moment that I see Jesus face to face, that he has been good to me, that he has led me into the blessed life. And I know that he's led many of you into the blessed life. Can I get a testimony this morning of the goodness of Jesus in our lives? Can I get a testimony of how faithful God is? is that when he says follow me and we say yes to following him, that, that it is the blessed life. And the reality is, listen, the way it works, when we look at our life, it's the trajectory of our life. Yes, there are moments. Yes, there are seasons. Yes, there are hard times. But when we take a step back and we look at 10,000 feet, you know, the 10,000 foot view, we say God has been good. God has been faithful. Luke eleven twenty eight 28 says, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. So why is it that we struggle with obedience? And I just, I think that there's some of us right now, like we're really, we're in that moment where Peter was, where Jesus is calling us to trust him. Jesus is calling us to put the boat out and to put our nets down again for a catch. Are we going to trust Jesus? Are we going to obey? And the reason that we don't is we're afraid. You know, it's, it's, a, it's an issue of faith. We're afraid that, that maybe God won't keep his promises. Maybe it won't work out. And so maybe you're in a situation where you have been praying for something and you've been crying out for God to move, for God to fulfill a promise, for something to happen in your life. Throw your nets out again. Keep praying. Keep trusting that God is faithful. Maybe what it means for you to throw your nets out is that you don't give up on your marriage. Maybe what it means is that you, you just say, okay, I'm going to try counseling, marriage counseling one more time. Maybe it means that even though things are tough financially, that you trust God with the full tithe. The Bible is so clear, like all throughout, that, that partnership with God and trusting Him with our finances, it starts with us giving that first 10% back to Him. Maybe what it means for you to throw your net out is, is that there's a secret sin. There's something in your life that you're struggling with. And you haven't told anybody. It's a secret. And, and you know, that we, one of the ways that we know that we're not in the will of God is if we have secrets in our life. Because God operates in the light and Satan operates in the dark. And so maybe for you, and I actually, I, I think there's somebody, I just kind of feel the Holy Spirit just, just kind of sitting on this for a minute. I think there's somebody here and there's a secret that you've had in your life. And maybe it even like last night, it kind of like, manifested and kind of blew up in your life a little bit and you're hearing this right now because God is saying listen I want you to choose life I want you to come into the light and you need to throw out your net and what that's going to look like is you've got to find someone that you can trust somebody that you can say hey this is what's going on in my life this is how I need you to pray for me this is how I need to be accountable it says this in Galatians 6 9 it says, as all of us, as we live our life and as we follow him and he wants to lead us deeper into the blessed life, and there are those moments of obedience, those moments. It says this, let's not get tired of doing what is good. And the reason it says, don't get tired doing what is good is because Paul knew there are going to be times when we get tired doing what is good. 
There's going to be times when we're frustrated. There's going to be times when we feel like God isn't keeping His promises. But don't get tired because at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And I think some of you right now, you're in that moment, maybe you feel like giving up. But God is saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to throw out the nets one more time and trust that I'm going to lead you into the blessed life, right? We meet Jesus when he says, follow me, but then we continue to follow. We continue to follow. We continue to obey. We continue to do things that he might ask us to do that doesn't maybe make sense to us in the moment. But we say, God, I'm going to trust you. God, I'm all in. I love, you know, there's something that Jesus said to Peter, you know, after, uh, at another point when uh, he said to his disciples, when he said something hard and, uh, and lots of people left. And so he looked to Peter and the other disciples and he said, are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter said, where else am I going to go, Lord? You're the one who has the words of eternal life. We know that he has the words of eternal life. We know that he's blessed our lives. And so we're going to keep on following him. Let's all stand together. I want to do something this morning. Uh, well, actually, I, I said it at the 9 o'clock service, and it was true when I said it then. It's not so true now because I did it at the 9 o'clock service. I want to do something that we haven't done in a year and a half, that we haven't done since before the pandemic. Because I really do, I, I think that, that for so many of us, we're, we're in that moment, that, that place where Peter was, feeling that frustration, being in that, in that, that difficult season. And so I want to invite you to, to come up to the front of the church, just to come on up. Don't worry about what anybody thinks. Don't worry about what any, we're not going to ask you to do anything. You don't have to sing a song. You don't have to do a dance. Just come up and come up and just say, just renew that commitment. Say, Lord, I'm going to follow you. God, I'm going to trust you. God, I believe that you have blessings for me, God. I believe that, that, that you are good. I believe, Lord, that you have the blessed life for me. And so I want to come and I want to, I want to experience everything that you have for me. And I'm going to trust you to give me what I need this morning so I can keep going, so I can keep following you. And I'm just going to pray a prayer of blessing over, over everyone, but especially those who are up here. And I just ask God to pour out his Holy Spirit to pour out his promises, to pour out his life, to pour out everything that we need so that we can follow him into the blessed life that he has for me. So you guys, you guys, you guys can turn around or do whatever you want. You, you can just uh, close your eyes and focus on the Lord. I find it really helpful sometimes to just put your hands out like this. It's like you're receiving something, like you're expecting to receive something from the Lord. And so God, I ask in Jesus' name, Lord, you see all, the, all the, the lives, all the hearts. God, everyone who's responded here this morning. God, we love you. God, we trust you. God, we know that you've been good to us. And so, Lord, we look to you right now in the midst of all of our frustrations, in the midst of the difficulties, in the midst of disappointments. And God, we just declare, Lord, that you are the one that we look to for blessing. You are our hope. You are the one who gives strength. You are the one who gives life. And so, Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, that you'd meet us here right now. Lord, I pray that you would reveal your heart to us right now. God, let us know how much you love us. 
Lord, remind us that you will never leave us. You will never forsake us. Remind us of the promises you've made. Remind us of how we've seen your faithfulness in the past. And Lord, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. Be poured out right now in Jesus' name. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Lord, fill us with strength. Fill us with hope. God, fill us with joy. In Jesus' name, let it come. Let it come, Lord. God's presence is here. God is ministering. Let's just take a moment. Let's just let God do what he's going to do. I think part of what he wants to do right now is the burden that you've been carrying, that thing that you've been carrying, that frustrating, hard, painful thing that you've been carrying and it's getting too heavy. Jesus is inviting you. He's saying, lay it down at my feet. Give it to me. You don't have to carry that anymore. I'm going to carry it for you. So give him your burden. Give him your disappointment. Give him your pain. He is the good shepherd. He is committed to you. He loves you. He is with you. He is faithful. And so Holy Spirit, come right now. In the name of Jesus, pour out strength. Lord, you are the God of hope. Pour out hope. Lord, we are your called ones. Ones, the people you have chosen. We're yours. We belong to you. And so we look to you. We look to you for all that we need. And we say, yes, Lord, we will obey you. Yes, Lord, we will cast out our nets one more time. Because we believe you are faithful. So come, Holy Spirit. Bless your presence. We're just going to kind of sit in this moment for a little bit. Grimaldi's going to keep playing. And if we got people from the prayer ministry team and life group leaders and pastors and others who could come up and help us pray for people, come. And, and if you want, listen, I know we're still in this like COVID thing. And, and if you don't want someone to pray for you, if that's too close, just tell them, no, thank you. They'll understand why. But we're just going just gonna to stay in this moment for a minute and just begin kind of ministering to each other.